You're listening to The Keys 107 on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host tonight. Sit back and get ready. We got a hot show for you. The healthy tip of the day is up next. The Keys 107 Network presents the healthy tip of the day. Today's healthy tip of the day is to keep it moving. Oftentimes we feel stuck. Stuck on the couch, stuck at our jobs, stuck at our relationships or even stuck eating the same old foods every day. The reality is, all this stuckness is just an illusion. Life is really a constant flow of energy and movement. One way I like to instantly get myself unstuck is to literally get myself up and move my body. I especially love moving and dancing to live drumming. The more you are aligned with the perpetual movement and flow of all things, The less stagnant and stuck you feel, and the more you will begin to enjoy life. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by the organic soul chef, Medea Allen. And you can visit me online for more healthy tips at OrganicSoulChef.com. We'd like to thank the Organic Soul Chef, Madea Allen, for providing us with the healthy tip of the day. It's always on point and always on time. And as she says, let's keep it moving. Get up and move. We'd also like to thank South African jazz musician Ernie J. Smith for allowing us to use his song, which he titled Odette's Song, in our intros. And we know that Ernie J. Smith is working on his new album, Time for Love, which will be released in the United States, um, hopefully by the Christmas season, but we will keep you informed. So special, special, special love going to Ernie J. Smith. Well, we are working on part four in our series, Get Your Life Together. Mm. Part four is brought to you by The Fluffs Present the Alphabet, A Journey to Learning Your ABCs. This is my book, and I am very proud and very honored to be able to help you teach your children the alphabet. The Fluffs Present the Alphabet is available on Amazon.com. It's available on www.thefluffsfamily.com. <laughs> and it's also available on Kindle. Yay, for Kindle for $9.99. So get your copy. Wow. Well, today's segment is very special to me as it deals with relationships. And I just think it's so important to be aware, to be mindful of how you nurture, how you interact, and your perception of your relationships. We have with us the relationship expert, Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, here in the studio at the Keys 107 Network. 
Abdul Hafiz Muhammad today is going to give you some gems. He's going to focus on the spiritual, the communication, the financial, expectations, and the conflict keys that affect relationships in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. So you're listening to The Keys 107, Opening Doors to Endless Possibilities. You can contact us at suggestions at thekeys107network.com. You can come into our chat room, and you can call in at 212, I'm sorry, 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. And I'd just like to send out some love to Brother James, who's on the board here. And as I always say, when Brother James is in the house, expect something wonderful to happen. I am Rafika, and Minister Hafiz is here. Get ready, get your pens, get your paper, (laughs) take notes, because it is going to be heavy. We are focusing on the relationship key today, on the Keys 107 Network. We'll get started with Lessons in Relationships after this brief commercial break. This portion of the key was brought to us by Moon107.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and a gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. The Keys, unlocking the doors to unlimited possibilities. Welcome to The Keys, opening doors to endless possibilities, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Today's topic focuses on relationships. Uh, Minister Hafiz, are you there? Assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you. I I am here, and I'm honored to be on The Keys, and greetings to your broad listening audience. Yes, sir. I'm glad you could make it. Glad you Thank could you. make it. Trudging glad through to the, be here. the channels of traffic. <laughs> so uh, before we um, get into those components that we discussed to talk about tonight, let's just give our listening audience, for those who are new and who may not know you as well as the broader audience does, just give us a little background on how you became the relationship expert as the New York representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and as the minister of Moss Number 7? Well, I didn't call myself that. It's always better when other people see things in you, like Jesus asked the question, who do they say I am? And I'm not just that, but I have been coined that phrase by believers in the mosque, and I was coined that phrase publicly by our brother and friend Ed Lover who used to host a pro- program on 105.1 FM. He's been on other programs as well. But at that time in 2004, I was invited on to do a four-part series on what Minister Farrakhan was speaking about with reference to reparations. But the then program director, Mike Saunders, said, we just can't talk about reparations for four weeks. We need to mix it up a little bit to keep the audience interested. And so Ed Lover began to question me about relationships. Uh, 
And when we finished the segment, he said, you sound like a relationship expert. I said, well, <laughs> if you think so. And from that point on, everything took off. But for many years prior to that, I made a specific focus on relationships from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan because none have I heard teach better or with more in-depth on problems in relationships, solutions in relationships than the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. As a matter of fact, the first lecture I heard from him in 1981 was black male-female relationships. And from that point on, I took it to be a part of my ministry and work on his behalf that we would focus on that and focus on developing functional family lifestyles. And so it began with Minister Farrakhan. It continued over the years in my ministry, recognized by the believers of the mosque in New York and believers in other mosques around the country, and then ultimately on that radio program in New York City, which catapulted, catapulted us to our own uh, radio program that we hosted for five years on Power 105.1 FM uh, from 7 in the morning to 8 in the morning on Sundays. And what was the name of that show on uh, 105 Well, it FM? began with the name that I was under, the Power Hour with Minister Kevin. And then when Minister Farrakhan changed my name in 2008, it became the Power Hour with Minister Abdul Hafiz. Okay, when where did the Ask Hafiz come in? The Ask Hafiz came in when I began to write for um, the Virtue magazine, a magazine that came out after the time of the Millions More movement. It was the um, 10th anniversary of the Million Man March, and Sister Audrey Muhammad out of North Carolina uh, had already had that magazine in motion, and she came to a single social gathering, I believe, that we had in New York, and um, she had heard about me from our protocol director, Brother Derek Muhammad, and others, and I think that we engaged in Chicago at a Savior's Day as well, and from that point on, she asked me if I would um, write an article. And I said that uh, I would, and she asked me, what would you call it? And I called it Ask Hafiz. And so we take questions and answers, which really is the basis of a book that we are trying to finish, but we are focused so much on our labor and our work. It's taking its own time to come to fruition, but the book is entitled Lessons and Relationships. It's about a quarter of the way done, Another part of it is already done, but I have to finish pinning all of my answers to it. And the book is inspired from the lessons of supreme wisdom given to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Therefore, I called it Lessons in Relationships. It's a different kind of approach. It's a question and answer approach because mm. Minister Farrakhan taught me many years ago, the better the question, the better the answer. Mm. And so we take on and tackle the hard questions of the day to give to them the answers that they need from God and their servants. So we talked about the relationship expert and how you got that title mm -hmm. when you was with Ed Lover. Now we want to move into the New York representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Snapshot, well, um, Mr. Hafiz, snapshot. Well, let me just say that is who I am and how I serve. And um, I'm a believer, I'm a Muslim follower in the Nation of Islam under the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's eternal leadership and under the guidance of the Honorable and direction of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I am his student, I am his product, and I'm honored to be his student and the product of his work and working to become better. 
Many people said, looking at the basketball years, I want to be like Mike. Well, I love Michael Jordan, applauded him, thank him for all that he did. I like LeBron James, but I don't want to be like Mike, and I don't want to be like LeBron. I want to be like Farrakhan, and therefore I am honored. That leads in everything that I do that I serve as the New York representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and as his student minister of Mosque Number 7, New York City, and we oversee many cities in the eastern region under our uh, Mid-Atlantic and Eastern Regional Minister, Abdul Qadir Muhammad out of D.C., and we're proud to have that service. That comes first and foremost. The work we're doing with Peace in the Streets come first and foremost, and so that is how I would like uh, you know, to uh, reflect on myself and our work and what we do relative to relationships, not just male-female relationships, but the relationships relative to our creator, the relationships relative to when we're in the workplace, the relationships of parents to their children, children to their parents, and how children relate with their own peer groups is all a part of lessons in relationships. Well, I'm glad you segued into that overall um, definition sort of of what a relationship is because uh, relationships can go in, in, in many directions. And uh, many times you're, you're asked the question, so what is the relationship between the two components that are on the table. Now we're going to talk about um, relationships and the importance of communication in relationships, if it's okay with you if we start with that. Of course. You know, the first and most pertinent communication is a communication with Allah God. That's primary. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said to us in his teachings that if you want Allah to talk to you, read the Holy Quran. And if you want to talk to Allah, pray. That's the first and most important communication. Before we get into a warm-blooded communication with a member of the opposite sex, the male toward the female and the female toward the male, and we know that the communication with our parents, we, can't, we cannot avoid that because our parents are the stewards of the life force that is inside of every one of us. We nurse off of the breast of the mother. We, the first person we call is for Dada because of the care and the maintenance that Dada provides to the mother and to us as the child. Then if there are siblings in the house, we must communicate with them. But once we get to an adolescent age by which we understand and have a general concept of God, then we become matured and have a full concept of who God really is and how to communicate with him, that's the primary relationship that we must have. Because look at it like this. If a woman is looking in for a man, and she's looking for him in all the wrong places, the right place is to take it to God in prayer. Then put yourself in the right place and the right time, and God then can bless you. If a man is looking for a female, he must first take it to Allah God in prayer. And because he already said to us in the scripture, it's not good for man that man should be alone. So he knows that he should want the opposite sex in his life, a female. But he also could be in the wrong place at the wrong time. So he needs to communicate to his creator, then place himself where he should be, where there are good women. And where his mind can be a mind of a maintainer, a mind of a sustainer and a protector, not a predator not one who becomes a leech, not one who brings a woman down but pulls a woman up and elevates her, and the female herself should know that she should not be one 
who goes after a man's pocket or things that can be given to her, but she should be one who can be a help me to help the man meet and overcome the obstacles in life that her and him can build a family legacy through their offspring, that when they leave the earth, something is left behind from this male and this female that come from the essence of Allah that can go way, way into the future, and hopefully they can live a long life to see some of it before they return to their eternal sleep and rest and slumber from this world. So how do you know when you're being heard? How do you know that the communication is being effectively received and and just heard? I'm... A woman can know when she's being heard when she has a man's attention. If he, in this electronic age, is texting while you're talking to him, you're not being heard. If he's doodling on the computer while you're communicating with him, you're not being heard. No matter how much he says, I hear you, honey, yeah, that's to placate you. That's to keep you in your place, to say that, you know what, I'm there, but he's really not there. If you want to be heard, then sit across from a dinner table. Sit across in a love seat. Sit across with two chairs. And then give eye contact. Be a part of the fluid conversation. Have ebb and flow, and then bring about solutions to the questions you've asked. Then you know you're being heard. And it's the same thing of the man. The man is only heard when he can have the attention of the female. But we find, percentage-wise, that women love communication and some men don't. But there are other men who love communication, and there are some women who won't. So we must understand that the delicate balance must be set, that in order to have a good, proper, and just male-female relationship, communication is the key, not a sexual communication. That's like turning on the faucet of water when you are in a marriage and family life. But it must be a spiritual and mental communication. Then when the act of love comes, then that love is based off of something spiritual, based off something mental, based off something emotional where there has been a connection and not a bankruptcy of them, but a fulfillment of them. Then the act of love goes to the supreme level of heaven and earth coming together rather than just two bodies rubbing friction, producing fire that consumes the both of them rather than love that produces love and reproduces love within itself. So what do you tell a couple um, who comes to you and they say, um, he, he just does not hear me, and he says, she doesn't hear me. What steps can they take so they can hear each other? Now, we're, we're coming, we're, a couple coming to you is a couple that wants help. Mm-hmm. What do you tell them? What I have to say to them, Sister Rafiki, is, first of all, we have to deal from the basis of truth. Somebody here is not telling the truth. If neither feels that the other is listening, then both are talking over one another while they're talking. Or you've lost interest in your beloved loved one. So therefore, and I say loved one because I don't know whether they're courting, whether they're dating, whether they're married. So we say your loved one, your person of interest. You must be able to 
hear them without interruption, then communicate and respond on the basis of what they presented to you. Because sometimes we hear our loved ones speak to us, but we are ready to talk over them and get our point across. We didn't even hear them. And we start saying, "Uh uh-huh, 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 go ahead, go ahead, yeah, mm mm-hmm, I hear you, all right. See, they're not listening to you. Then when they speak, they don't even respond to anything you said, the female to the male or the male to the female. So, therefore, one must speak at a time. Choose. Honey, you go first. Okay. So now he will go first. The wife now or the woman must now listen to the man intently and then have a pad in front of you sometime. <clears throat> if you have a problem, <coughs> not, excuse me, not that you have a problem, but if you need to want to make sure you keep up, make notes. Make points. Then respond back. Point number one, you said such and so and so. Now, here's my response to this, and I need you to remember this. See? Then have agreement on each point. Don't speak for 15, 20, 30 minutes. Then you speak, but then don't make a connection between the points that were made. Clear up each point as you go along. So if there are 10 points that are made, when you finish, there are nine of them that are resolved. And you might have to shelve number 10 to another day. You know, and then have agreement with one another. And then the love can come back. But if we're going to over-talk one another, if we're not going to be patient, if we're going to say we're paying attention and we're not, then they're going to continue to say that uh, neither of them are listening to one another. And then the other reality is if you've lost interest in your loved one, if you've lost interest in your wife or your husband, and don't let it be that you're courting and you lost interest, then the courtship is over. You don't need to try to get married to this person and go down the aisle and make a fool of yourself. But if you're already married and you've just lost interest, why don't you just say that? You know what? I'm no longer interested in you. For this, for that reason, and for this reason, I've tried, I've put up with it, you know, and I just don't think I can go any further. And stop wasting one another's time. Now, I'm not saying that's the way we should go, but if you've reached that point and you feel you can go no further, then don't play games with one another's hearts. Just speak straight words, and Allah will put your deeds in the right state for you, and he will forgive you of your sins. Well, I want to give out the uh, telephone number so that if you have a specific question or you want to comment on something that was already said, and we're talking about communication right now, the, the number is area code 213-943-3618. That's area code 213-943-3618. And we have uh, quite a few people um, in the room right now, but they, they have to press the number one key to talk on, on your telephone keypad. Otherwise, we don't know if you are just a listener um, calling in just to listen or if you actually want to talk. So press the number one key. And one more time, very slowly, the area code is 213-943-3618. And um, the, the bullet point list would be, number one, be truthful in communicating with your, your mate. Have the ebb and flow. Have eye contact. Um, understand that some women love to communicate and some don't, and some men love to communicate and some don't. If you lost interest, be truthful. You must be able to hear them. One must speak at a time. Don't overtalk each other. Listen intently. Make notes and have agreements on each point. And, and, and you mentioned more than one time, do not overtalk. So I'm thinking that's a very critical point in communication oh, is listening. Very, very critical. It's a part of what 
we've learned that it's called lawful deliberative dialogue, that you give everyone their point in time to speak, and every one of us gets anxious to make a point because we hear something that's inaccurate, we hear something that might not be on point, and we want to interrupt, and that's not good. So it's always best just to sit and make that note if you have to, or keep that strong mental note, and then focus on that and come to an understanding. The goal of communication is to be in agreement. The goal of mm. communication is to be able to move forward together in agreement. And the goal mm. of communication is to become successful based upon the agreements that we reach. Well, I want to move right in. Um, not that we're finished with communication, um, but I want to move right into the spiritual. And I want to talk about the importance of spirituality in a relationship. It is the most vital segment, if we understand it. Now, the spiritual connection between the male and the female must be done individually with God. Every Muslim must have an intimate relationship with Rabbil Alameen, he who is the nourisher to perfection from one stage after another stage after another stage until it reaches its eventual stage of perfection. So therefore... When you want communication with your opposite of the opposite sex or your spouse, you then must have it first with Allah, God. And if the man is not listening to the dictates of God, then the woman is not going to be able to get him to do anything. And if the woman won't listen to the dictates of God, it don't make a difference how much you talk about I pay the cost to be the boss, how much you talk about men are the maintainers of women, all of that is relevant and has its place. I'm at the head of the wife, and the wife is at the head of children, and children at the head of the dust mops and responsibilities. It means nothing because the only one listening to you is your children, and they feel they have to do that because they must, but the wife is not listening because she won't listen to God either. So the spiritual relationship is a unique connection that each must develop before we meet one another, not after we meet one another. Then when we meet one another in God, then we meet one another, reading our scriptures. We meet one another, making our prayers. We meet one another, going to and going in the same direction that each one is going. And this is a very deep answer because you could be going in another direction. You could be a Christian and be a Muslim, but have spirituality and understand the love of the prophets and the love of God and appreciate Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, and you can have a solid relationship. But you also must have that among those who say that they are Christians and those who say they are Muslims and those who say they are Hebrews and Jews. And that similarity that we believe in this man, Moses, we believe in Jesus, we believe in Muhammad. You see, we believe in the same principles that should be the greatest of unity. But you can't have that in spirituality unless you develop a root in God with yourself. So on this point, you have those in relationships. In their spiritual component, you have the husband who gets up for prayer and the wife doesn't. You have the wife who gets up for prayer and the husband doesn't. You have the children who get up for prayer and the parents don't. You see? Mm. And you have the parents who may get up for prayer but don't put any demands on their children. See? So everyone must develop that relationship with God through his word. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and was with God and the word became flesh. Man and woman shall not live by bread alone physical bread and tangible things of the world, but by every word that proceeded forth from the mouth of God. And it's not that every time you speak, you must speak quoting a scripture, but you must speak from the framework of the base 
of what God revealed into one another's hearts to be able to guide one another, help one another, assist one another, and ultimately love one another the way God has loved us. So spirituality is most important within a relationship. Now, what are some methods that a person, male or female, or mother, father, or child, can do to um, get their the other person more involved? Like you said, the mother may well, get up. You, you can't doesn't. get someone involved unless they want to become involved. So let's say you're in courtship, and let's say you're courting the brother and the sister are courting, but the, the sister or the brother notices that one or the other doesn't like to read a lot. See, you know, I read this today in Message to the Black Man. Yeah, and I was reading this in the newspaper. And I read this today in How to Eat to Live. Yeah, and I was reading this magazine. And I read this today and Our Savior has arrived and Flag of Islam and Supreme Wisdom and the Restrictive Law of Islam is our success. And I read The Torchlight for America. And I read Closing the Gap, the interviews of the heart, mind, soul of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I read The Supreme Wisdom. I was reading the Quran today. And Allah said this, yeah, and you know what I was doing? I'm telling you, know, LeBron and them, man, getting ready to start the season on the 30th of October. See, you don't have a person that you're evenly yoked with because this person doesn't like to delve into the reading of this. See? They might be reading and looking at other things, but not reading the necessary thing that you should be attracted to, mm. whether male or female. See? Mm. So therefore, you have to be able to recognize when you have someone who has the likable, the, the, the um, compatibleness. See? We can have things in common, but not be compatible. There's a difference of having things in common. In other words, we like going to the movies. Yes, okay, we have that in common. We like sitting on a park bench. We have that in common. But when we're sitting on the bench, what we like to do may not be compatible. When we go to the movie, we may not be compatible. We have commonality, but the compatibility is we've got to be quiet. I want to pay attention to the movie. You want to talk to me the whole time through the movie. You don't even know the movie, but God knows if you did, we'd never get through it. But you don't know the movie, what you think the next scene is going to be like. That's not compatibility. Compatibility is we like going to the theater. But when we get there, baby, you know, I want to pay. Good, I like the same thing. We'll talk about it after we finish on the ride home. You see what I'm saying? We'll go get ourselves a little smoothie, a little fruit drink, you know what I'm saying, or have a cup of coffee or tea, and we'll talk about what it is that we experienced when we went out. That's compatibility. And so that's how I would answer that at this moment. Well, I think um, that that's an important point, and it also leads to communication, because I think uh, you, if you have that spiritual basis already and you've mm-hmm. already sort of put that as a part of your life, as a part of your conversation and how you speak to people, then the communication should work a little easier for you. Well, think about it like this. If you are in a marriage, you're in a courtship, you're in a relationship, you're dating, and someone says, you know, I had a rough, how was your day? Oh, my God, my day was, oh, it's just falling apart when it rains, it pours. See, <laughs> when you have spirituality, you say, great is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Is that right? Man, I needed that word right now. That's right. See, walk by faith and not by sight. See, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, thus saved the Lord. See, each one can give to one another the word of God to help guide them back where they need to go. We think the word is good for some poor lost soul, but we are the wretched souls who need the word as well. 
the worst thing that any believer can be, Muslim, Christian, or Hebrew, is to think that because you come into faith tradition and you do certain things and dress a certain way and act a certain way and give greetings, assalamu alaikum, shalom alaikum, peace be unto you, grace and peace in the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, whatever your greeting is, but you are not yet in the right and proper spirit with God and in tune with your fellow brother and sister, then you've missed the mark. So then, therefore, we are like whited sepulchers. We look outside, it looks clean, but inside of us is the bones of dead men and women. So we have to be mindful to always have that serious connection and never lose that connection with God, never lose that connection with the person that is in your life or the person that you are working with or working for or working under, see, and working side by side, and that the communication remains strong, that the agreement remains out front, because agreement is everything. You can't survive and don't have agreement in this world. You can't be in disagreement with one another and work together in peace. That's why there's so much fratricidal conflict going on right now in the streets, because people are not in agreement. Not in agreement with you sitting up on my turf. I'm not in agreement with what you said. I'm not in agreement with how you looked at me. Therefore, disagreement leads to discontent, leads to conflict, leads to death. And then it leads to the mourning in our community, and it angers God when we get to that level. Mm. I'm going to give out the number again, and I'm going to request that all the callers who are on hold um, on the board, you have to press the number one key because um, we don't know if you have a question or not. So the number is 213, area code 943-3618, area code 213-943-3618. And, um, Brother Forrest, do we have a call on the line? Okay. So we're going to move on, uh, Minister Hafiz. We're going to go mm. right into the next aspect of relationships, which is the financial aspect. Yeah. Ooh, this is a hot one because this can often lead to destruction if you're not mm -hmm. careful in how you handle it. Yes. Well, there's a there's a statement that you have always heard there's no romance without finance <laughs> well a whole lot of children have been made without finance a whole lot of children have been born off of Happy Meals and White Castle and uh, Roy Rogers and Burger King and didn't have a whole lot of finance you know and went down to 42nd Street to the movie theater or whatever your 42nd Street is in your city or town or, or village you know downtown or uptown a whole lot of babies have been made where there wasn't a lot of finance. And later on, they realized what they needed, and they raised their children, and they were successful. While others who went that same route weren't as successful because they had nothing to begin with and turned away from their children and turned away from the woman, and sometimes the woman turned away from herself. Because while you have many men who turn away from women and leave them holding the baby in the bag, you have some women who get rid of the life that's in their womb and hurt the man who wants the child. See? So now. It's not about no finance, no romance. That's at a certain point. But finance in life is what we put aside. And when you get married, the man must understand, in order to be the maintainer of the woman, you have to have some sustenance. You cannot maintain her just by having good communication. That's good. Communication goes far, but communication does not pay the mortgage to J.P. Morgan Chase or Bank of America with their fraudulent selves or whatever Wells Fargo or whoever the landlord is. 
Communication does not pay that mortgage. It doesn't pay the rent. It does not keep the light bill on with LIPA or Con Edison or wherever your uh, energy comes from. Communication is good. You know, I have a problem, and yes, you owe us $325, and you need a minimum payment of $110.52, and if you put this in now, then you will keep your lights on. Well, what can I do? Well, we can give you a payment plan, but you must pay this minimum balance of $110.52, and then we'll take the remainder, and we'll put it on a monthly balance and add it to what you're doing. Now, at the end of the day, you can talk it all good, but if you don't make that minimum payment, click, the lights go off. If you don't keep those monthly payments, the lights go off. This is reality in finances now. So you no longer can talk your way out of it. You must work your way out of it. See? We learn to talk to talk, walk to walk, but we have to learn to work to work. And that's what's important. So finances drives a wedge between the two. Though Allah says in the Quran, he put between the two of us love and compassion. Then Allah says in the Quran, tell my servants if they are needy and out of want for anything, I am ample giving and knowing and can provide it for them. But God is not a mystery. He's not a spook. Once he provides you the means of the job, once he keeps giving us the oxygen of life, once we have the blessing of the movement of the limbs of life by exercise or not, but we are able to get around and be mobile, or mobile, excuse me, then it is up to us to manage the dead presidents, the coins that come through our hands and put aside, not just for a rainy day, but for a sunny day. We say we put aside money for a rainy day, you know, when times get hard. No, we times are hard when the sun is out and it's 95 degrees. You need something put aside for that if you just want to be able to do something with your family. So finances are important, and every male must learn to line his finances up before he gets married. Go get all of the shoes you want, the suits you want, the ties you want, the watches you want, whatever it is, before you get married. Because once you get married and you stop having them children, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a burden and responsibility it is. Yeah, it's a relief. It's a relief once you take care of that child coming out of that womb. You can't go and buy no more shoes. You can't go and buy no more hats. You can't get no more top coats. You can't get no more whatever it is you want in your haberdashery. You must now respond to the needs of your wife and those children that you have produced. And if you have no children, you have a wife now that you must respond to and plans. And she says, well, look, we're ready to put the down payment on the house. Well, you know what I got to do? Let me go in the closet and then let me have a, let's have an auction, you know, because uh, we need to have a garage sale. Because you got so much in your closet that if you sell, you can buy the house outright without even having to put a down payment. You can't do that when you're interested in building family. And the female can't do that either. She can't have, you know, if you got 75 pairs of shoes, sisters, you don't need 150. And if you got 150, you don't need 300. Because you only can wear one pair of shoe a day. And even if you can wear them two or three times a day, you only can wear them one at a time. So, therefore, put aside that which you can have for another day. And women are good on this. I mean, my mother, one day when she left my father, oh, by God bless his soul, uh, he never thought that she could leave. She was a domestic worker, and he worked in a plastic factory and made more money than her. But my mama knew how to put it inside a dollar. And when she told him that if he didn't act right, I was going to leave him. She eventually came back, God bless her. But she did leave him at that time. She told me, take me to the L train in Brooklyn. And I took her to the L train, and she pulled out a wad of about five to $6,000. Tell wow. your father, I got more where that came from. And she went on about her business. 
and came back in the time she came back just to prove to him that she could leave. Ooh, was he not a humble man when she came back? He was so happy to have her back in the kitchen, and I'm sure everywhere else, he was just happy to have her back in his life. But women do well with that. And there are many men who have learned to do well, but there are many of us. Ah, we let the moat get in our eyes, and we want assets. And if you put it on your jackass, you can't have assets at the same time. So, therefore, you can't be wearing your money. You can't be transporting it around on your wrist or on your fingers or riding it on four tires. You need to have more of it by which you can build your family lifestyle, move yourself into the future together, and prepare a future for your children, especially in the world in which we live right now. So finance is vital. If a man doesn't even have a bank account, what are you even looking at courting a woman for? And if a woman doesn't know how to cook, how to be able to help a man and please him, that he can go back out and earn more for you, what are you looking at him for? We're wasting one another's time. We have to be able to learn how to synergize our finances with one another. You don't have to have a joint account in order to run your household. You can run it very well. Just make your word your bond. But if you have a joint account, know what goes in, goes in for what it needs to go in for, and you can't go in and all of a sudden do something through some back door and say, well, baby, you know I had to. No. Joint account means joint to do with the things that we need to do for the household, and you can't bother that. But joint or no joint, you have to have fiscal responsibility in relationships and be mindful that everything needs to be taken care of. And to all of the men, if you don't take care of your financial responsibilities, don't expect your wife to be able to sew, cook, and clean, and how to take care of her husband, ooh, she ain't taking care of you because she's too busy worrying about the overhead. She's too busy worrying about the light. She's too busy worrying about the water. Too busy worrying about the cable bill. Too busy worrying about the children and their needs, their shoes, their socks, their pants, their clothing, their garments. Too busy. So she has to focus more on the reality of the home and less on you. But when men can become the true maintainers in their household, then you free a woman to give you and open up the floodgates of her love because heaven lies at the foot and the feet of the woman. So how does a couple bridge the conversation about the finances? So let's say there's a problem and the husband didn't know. Um, maybe the wife didn't tell him that she did not pay the current credit card bill, and he finds out. So you have two elements here. You have an element mm-hmm. of dishonesty, and then you have another element of finances. So how, do, how does a couple bridge that conversation of, and, and I mean, the honesty that needs to come about, how does a couple get there? Oh, well, you have to start with the honesty. You have to start with, you know, being truthful from the beginning. Now, there's a way of answering this question if it's been broken, but let me just answer it from how you should start. You have to come out of the gate being honest, you know. Uh, you come out of a courtship. You come out of a dating uh, situation. You have to be able to um, say to one another that um, I have this amount of debt that has to be dealt with. I have this going on in my life. And I have this going on in my life. And you must understand that, pardon me, you must understand that that reality is based upon truthfulness. And let the party know how they can move forward. Now, if you're already married and you have some, I think you asked me about credit card debt, 
right? Now, I don't know whether or not this is pre-marriage or you're already married together. The bottom line is you have to attack everything with faith and with a plan based upon your faith. And then you have to attack it with fiscal responsibility and fiscal discipline in order to remove the impediment. Otherwise, it impedes upon talking at the dinner table. It impedes upon the ride in the car going wherever it is that you're going. It impedes upon you having a peaceful relationship with one another because these things are unresolved, and it creates a pinched nerve in the relationship. We're going to pick back up on that point. I want to thank everybody who has called in, who's on Skype, who's in the chat room, who's in our um, blog talk radio room, our holding room with all the live mics. We have one caller on the line from Westchester. Uh, Caller, your mic is live, and you can ask your question. Yes. Um, I just wanted to say, I wanted to make a statement. I first wanted to say thank you, um, Minister Hafiz. You are giving so much profound um, wisdom and knowledge. And on the part of the finance part, I'm finding that um, we as women, we have to learn how to practice the law of diversification. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, I have a son. I have a four-year-old son, and my son, I kind of gauge when he needs a new pair of shoes or sneakers, and his feet basically grow from for uh, every five to six months. So I kind of know that that's my obligation, that I have to buy him the shoes or the sneakers. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by the laws of diversification, meaning that I can take $20, and break it up into four categories. Okay. To diversify with with my son's shoes or his haircut, clothing. So I think that um, a lot of families should try to practice the law of diversification with money. Because mm-hmm. I was always taught you make do with what you have. You know, don't pray and ask God for more. Ask him to show you what to do with what you have. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding that the laws of diversification really works for me. Indeed. I, I think that anything that we can find that is good and fruitful, we should employ. Minister Farrakhan said, sometimes more is less and less is more. And so we must understand that our life cannot revolve around things or one thing in particular. So this law of diversification that you are employing allows you to have a balance sheet for your son and a balance sheet in anything else that you want to aspire to or achieve at. And so a lot of us, we like to focus on, you know, if you're playing basketball, I shoot good jump shots, but you got bad defense. You see? So mm-hmm. it's better to have a good jump shot and a good defense, you see, and have a good assist. It's better to be all around rather than just be singular focus. We've heard the statement, jack of all trades, master of none. It's always better to master something, but it's good when you master something, but it's also even good when you do have a knowledge of the plethora of different things. So this law of diversification is working for you. Continue to employ it. I think it is something of uh, success. Sometimes we are operating in certain laws that we don't even know that we're operating with them. You know, our our great-grandmothers did that. Our grandmothers did that, and many of us do it. But when we can identify it the way you have, then you teach that to your son. Then he grows up with that same teaching, knowledge, and understanding, 
and then he now becomes ready for the world that's in front of him. And at age 13, 14, 15, 16, they become financial giants in what it is that they want to do. So keep up the good work you're doing with that law of diversification. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. You're quite welcome. So, so I think if people, when they come together to form a union or if they're in a union already, if they just sat down and, and, and go back to what you talked about from the very beginning and, mm-hmm. and just be truthful with how they feel about money, how yeah. they feel about how they function with money, and yeah. like you said, come to some kind of agreement. Because if you're not coming from a point of view of truth when you're dealing with finances, you're going to snowball and you're going to have problems down the line. And as, as the sister just talked about her child, you mm-hmm. as the parent in the home are emulating what the child will be when that child grows up. Indeed. Now, I'll throw a challenge out to men because women do this very well. I, I give them credit. Very few times that you see a woman, she's not frugal, you know, and she's not um, uh, thoughtful of finances. And you have some women that are not. But the majority of women, they, they, they come up, it's like something innate within themselves that we got to put aside something. You know, when I was growing up, my mother had it in the brazier. She had it under the pillow. She had it beneath the drawer of the under, of the undergarments. And, you know, money was hit everywhere, you know, and they needed to pull it whenever they needed to pull it. But to the men, every man should have at least $1,000 in his wallet that you just don't bother. $1,000. Put it in the uh, the fold of the, uh, of the wallet and just don't bother it. $1,000. You might take 100 200 here and there, and when your wife looks for something, baby, I need something. I'm going food shopping. You want to contribute? Yeah, here's $200. You still got eight. Then when you get another 200 put it right back. Keep that 1000 going. You may take siphon off of it for responsibilities, but don't go too far. Don't go below the 500 mark. Always have something in your wallet, not just in case of an emergency, but just to feel good that I have something here that I learned how to save. And if you do that, then you'll start saving 2000 3000 5000 10000 mm-hmm. And then when you want to go do something, then you can do it off of the basis of the surplus of what you have. So if you want to go shopping, come on, baby, come on, let's go out and get what you want to do today. You know, you've been, you've been patient on me, you've been waiting, and therefore let me go. And I'll give you an example. When me and my wife got married, I was not, I was not able to get her the um, kind of beautiful wedding ring that you see others get. She said, that ain't the basis of marriage, honey. The basis of marriage is me and you. You you, you give me your word, I'm going to give you your word. I'm putting a rock on your finger. Just give me time, baby. And let me tell you something. I put aside my money, thousands of dollars. And one day I told her, let's go to the jewelry store. And I said, you can't pick out whatever you want, but you can pick out just about whatever you want. And that was good <laughs> enough for her. And what she picked out was a beautiful rock. And I wanted one bigger than that one. She says, no, baby, I won't be able to walk down the street with that one. But I kept my word and saved my money, and she was able to get whatever her heart desired to whatever my limit was. You understand? I ain't, I can't go out and get no $2 million ring with $1.5 million insurance, but I can go but out and get something that is representative of my status. And every woman must respect the status of the man that you marry. Respect his level. You know what I'm saying? You ain't Jay-Z and Beyonce. That's them, man. And, you, you, and on their level, you don't even know what that is. They may have forgotten what your level is, but they know what it is because they might have they came from it. But you'll be on your level. 
Jay and Beyonce have done what they do to do what they do. And when they earn it, they can get it. Do it on your level. Don't even talk about I'm Jay and Beyonce on my level. No, you are who you are by your name. She is who she is by her name. And the two of you are who you are together by the name of God. Be who you are, whatever it is. But be proud about it. But the brothers got to learn to put something aside and have it because it feels good. One day me and my wife was in the supermarket. And we bought about $700 worth of groceries, two carts and a half. And the woman looked and said, while I was packing the bags, I became a good backpacker. And she said, is that all he's going to do is pack bags? And my wife said, I beg your pardon. The $700 I just gave you, he gave to me. Ooh, mm. She dropped her mouth. And all of the other attendants said, ooh, show sure enough told her she won't be doing that ever again. I said, uh-huh, look at you. Mm, look at you now. I mean, I tried to hold it back, but I said, mm-hmm. I said, don't judge a book by its cover. Open it up and parse the pages, and you'd be surprised what you might find. See? And that made my wife feel good that it was done like that. Now, it's all right if she was the one paying for it, because I'm not going to lose no crisis of conscience because of my wife has it like that, as long as she looks at me the way that she needs to look at me and that I'm the man, that I am putting forth my effort and my work. But, brothers, it feels so good when you can just lay it down like that. But you can't lay it down if you don't put it to the side. Then when you have children, they're going to need something. They want $50 here, $25 here. Who should they not, Who should they come to? They should look toward the Father. But if we don't put something aside for a sunny day, rainy day, cold day, warm day, just put it aside, period. Then we're not going to have it, and we're not going to feel like maintainers. We're not going to feel like providers. We're not going to feel like protectors. And I know we live in a society where there are women who make more money than men, but then you have to understand who you're marrying and what you're accepting. See, the man must have a, he must put his ego in check and stop talking about, yeah, you think you're better than me because you make more. See, then you shouldn't even got with her if you was going to be like that. Then she can't put herself in, her ego in check. Yeah, see, I'm paying the cost to be the boss around here, so I know that you're at the head of me. And men are the maintainers of women, but look, I'm maintaining you, so I'm going to tell you how this is going to go down. No, I beg your pardon. You're not going to tell me how it's going to go down. No, I'm going to give you the guidance of how it's going to go down, and you may make more money, and I'm going to guide the money that you have. I'm going to show you how to get more from it than what you are presently doing. And I'm going to bring to the table what I have. I'm going to put everything on the table and you absorb it and do what you got to do. But I'm going to be the guide of this family no matter what. See, that's what a good man has to do and a good woman has to be able to respond to that. Because when you get a man in your life, sister, you're no longer by yourself. You're no longer independent. You're no longer to yourself. You have this man as the head of your life Then allow him to provide leadership and guidance and direction with what you already have, even if you have more than him. And if he has more than you, it doesn't mean, brother, that you're supposed to look down on her like your wife is some peasant. See? So she's the homemaker, and you're making this money. And look, when it comes time, you're not giving allowance to her like she's one of your children. Men are the maintainers of women. Take care of her. Put something in her hand according to the percentage of what you have that makes her feel good. So when she goes out in society and goes among her sisters or goes to her class or wherever she goes into the world, she can feel good about herself. You handed her $50 like you've given her an allowance, and she pushed babies out for you, went to death for you, put love in the food for you. The home is clean for you. Your bath water is run. Your old ugly feet have been massaged and oiled down. Pardon me, brothers, but you understand my point. I'm driving at home. And she's taking care of you. You give her $50? Mm. 
You better put $500 up there on that dresser and say, baby, I'll see you when I got it going around again. And she'll say, oh, go ahead, baby. Go ahead. Do your thing, baby. I love you. See? Show respect to one another. Women show respect to men. Men show respect to women. And know who it is you're marrying, who you're accepting. And if you're making that much money together, good. Then take it and invest it and turn it over. You got equity in your house? Divest it for business purposes, Minister Farrakhan said to me one time. Business purposes, not for futile things. Let me redo this and redo that. You can do that on your own at a certain level of your development, of your your financial income and intake and outtake. Take it and operate a business. Get something going that brings you back a return, then reinvest. Then you have something to share with your children and something to look back on them sunny and rainy days that you can say, all is good by the grace of God. Lessons in relationships. And we talked about so far the spiritual, the communication, and the financial elements of relationships. Now we're going to talk about dealing with conflict in relationships. This is hot. This is emotional. This can be aggressive. How do you deal with conflict? In a relationship Because it's going to come up Am I wrong, Minister? Oh, it's going to come up No matter how long you've been married It's just the longer you've been married The better you're able to handle it It becomes almost effortlessly It's like Sun Tzu and the three positions And the worst one is the one who had to poke you And give you all of these potions But there was the best one who could just look at you And detect what was going on And give you the remedy that you needed So the longer you're around, you become the one from poking and prodding to the one that you can sense mentally and emotionally and spiritually what's happening with your mate or with your spouse and your children with you and you with them. And so um, conflicts are going to happen. But you have to look at this. The scripture says, where two of you argue, both of you are the fool." So marriage is like a revolving door. Relationships are like a revolving door. One day, you're both going to hit it at the same time. But one of you must submit to the other. The book of Ephesians Ephesians says, pardon me, wives, husbands, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So there's nothing wrong with the male submitting to the female and the female submitting to the male because both have to be in obeisance to God, who's our creator and the father of our life. And so... On that time, when you hit that door at the same time, as the husband given to the wife, as the wife given to the husband, because you can't have gender cleansing in relationships. See, I'm gonna come down on you, and you gonna come. I'm gonna come, and you gonna come down on me, and you're coming down on the relationship. And then if there's children, then you give them the worst of examples rather than the best of examples. In 26 years of marriage, my children, our children, five of them now that are grown, our youngest is 17, have never heard us argue except one time. One time, one time. And the time they did, they thought I was leaving Mama. And all I was doing was going out for a walk and taking a breather. And they said, well, if that's true, then we want to go with you. And, uh, you know, I said, well, look, no. It's like it's like the, this commercial that they have out with this man, and they got this food you feed the cats. And he was wearing them in the office, and the woman said, those are nice uh, boots you have on. He said, no, those are my cats. And so my children were attached to my leg saying, well, if you are coming back, guess what? We're going with you, and we're going to come back with you at the same time. And that's how 
marriage and family life should be. You're not the best at everything, but you need to get better at what you want to become the best of. And so conflict is going to happen. You're going to disagree over placement of things. You're going to disagree with color. So you just sometimes you just got to give her her way. And sometimes she has to learn to give him his way and then accept it as your way. See, you may have a conflict just by, I don't like football. I'd rather look at baseball. Okay, but can you sit here with me and learn the game, and maybe you might learn to be as interested in it as I am and find out why I'm excited about it? Now, all of a sudden, that which is not compatible or even common becomes total compatibility. See? And then you each bring each other in to the relationship together, and you begin to have the likes of what each like, and you grow together with one another. But conflicts are going to happen, and when they are, when they do, you have to understand that we've been given the eight steps to atonement. Let's say when you have the worst of conflicts, then you need to, number one, point out the wrong or fault. You need to, secondly, acknowledge it. Third, you need to confess it. Four, you need to repent. Be remorseful. And when you see someone shedding a tear, when you see their countenance fall, don't say to them, say, ah, that ain't serious. No, who are you talking like that? When it's your turn and you do the same thing, you, do you want that said to you? No. So when you repent, there is some remorsefulness from the person. Then, number five, which is atonement or at one minute, you do something about what was the wrong that you can acknowledge and confess, and you show remorse, do something about it now. Make it right. Then that gives birth to number six, which is forgiveness. And when you forgive, you forget. Minister Farrakhan says you can't say you forgive someone. Then as soon as something similar comes up, see, and that reminds me of when you did me wrong. See, then you never forgot about it. See, and that reminds me. See, you see something on TV, you see something on Tyler Perry and one of his uh, uh, plays or whatever. See, that's what I'm talking about, you in the play. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's just like you. See, that's you on the stage. Wait a minute, what are you talking about? That happened five years ago. No, 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 I don't care about it five years ago. It's coming back to my mind right now. See, you've never forgiven them for what mm. took place. Therefore, it can't give birth to reconciliation, to reconcile, bring back into order, which then gives birth to a perfect union, total agreement with one another. So conflicts are going to happen, but it's how we resolve them. Remember this from the scripture. What defiles a person is not what goes in, but what comes out. Minister Farrakhan said it's not what someone does to you, but how you respond to what someone does to you. Well, how do you respond to your wife if she raises her voice? How do you respond to your husband if he just ignores you? Do you just go off? Do you go in the kitchen and get the frying pan? Do you bust a hole in the wall? Do you break something in the house? You knock something off the table? See, that could have been you, woman. Yeah, 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 and this could have been you right over here. See, and then you in here getting World War Five going on. We only went through three. You done skipped from four. You done went to World War Five, getting ready to have detente up in your household rather than having peace and contentment of mind because we mishandle conflicts that can be very natural. And at the end of the day, Allah put between the two of us love and compassion. So why don't we tone it down? Hmm. Why don't we well, settle we it down? Well, we have a caller who's been patiently waiting. Todd, mm-hmm. are you still there? Yes. Todd, your mic is live. Go ahead and ask your question. Welcome okay, to the Salaam. Uh, yes, my question is, how low should a brother go in regards to age when it comes to uh, looking for a mate to court? Is half your age plus seven an actual fact in the nation, or is it a myth? 
No, I never heard the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said half your age plus seven. I mean, if you're 30, half your age is 15, seven is 22. So you, you can do that if you want to do that, but you should always have age compatibility to the best of your ability. There are others who have different age um, differences, and they have done very well with their marriages. But when the ages are too far apart, then you know that you have a generation almost between you. Then you don't have a compatibility with one another. There are some common things you have, but remember I said there's difference in having commonality and having compatibility. And therefore there can be rifts that come in between you. And either you have to bring her up or she has to bring him up, and you're out of your comfort zone, and then you then become enticed, and you become attracted to others more in your age range or more in your range of compatibility than who you are presently with. And then the grass looks green on the other side of the fence, but it's not easy to cut. So find age parity with yourself, two or three years, you know, and if you choose to go beyond it, once again, I say what Minister Falcon has said, once you know who you're marrying, then you can't make an excuse later on in life. You accepted it, sister. You accepted it, brother. You went into this with sound mind and judgment. Good. If you, even if you went in with foolish mind and judgment, you went in. Well, now you're going to have to accept the lot that you have casted. And if you no longer want it, then you're going to have to divest yourself from it and deal with the pain thereof. But find someone with age parity who can grow along with you. Some men have the mindset, well, I want a woman that's younger so I can command her. Well, the woman today, even if they even if they are younger, I mean, you know, you got girls out there today, 17 years of age, you can't command them to do nothing because they're 17, brother, they're three years mature in front of the men. is an older age, but they're experienced today with technology and they're experienced today with access to knowledge and wisdom that's around them is deeper, even though 17 and 20 is still what it is, but it's a more matured age when I was coming up, and I was 13. I was doing what grown men was doing. So I was 13 acting like I was 30. See? So the bottom line is age parity is always better and most fruitful in a relationship. But if you choose differently, then you just have to accept what it is you have chosen. Oh, no, the minister answered the question, went into depth with it um, much more than what I anticipated. But thank you. You're quite welcome, my brother. My pleasure to serve. Yes, sir. So we are live with Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, who is speaking on relationships. The telephone number is 213-943-3618. That's 213-943-3618. And press the number one key on your keypad so that we know you have a question that you want to pose to Minister Hafiz. And thank you, all of you that are in the chat room it's so exciting to see so many people using technology today. Um, also, we have uh, Zama Joby, a South African singer who's tuning in and very happy to uh, welcome her. And if you have a question, you can type it into the chat room. I can see it, and I can pose it to the minister for you. So we're still on conflict right now. Mm-hmm. And um, my my question would be, in the scenario where two people are in a mode of rage because mm-hmm. something angered them, Yes. How do they bring it down to get to the point where they can respectfully speak to each other, to hear each other, to communicate with each other? Mm-hmm. Sometimes How you have to happen? step into another. You have to step into another environment. The Bible says, "Anger not, for sin lies at the door." So anger unchecked 
anger that is unprovoked but coming from within that turns into an intense rage can make things spiral out of control. You have to step out of that environment that you're in. There's something about you in that environment, and maybe there's something about the environment that is causing you uh, to become uncontrollable. But really, it's not always environment, even though environment does shape hereditary. A lot of times it's the environment of our thinking. See, insanity is not only, the meaning of insanity is not only doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a result from it. But insanity is also when there's an imbalance in the thinking of a human being based upon perceived or real injustice. And it causes a person to go off. And the first thing we go off with is with the language. So profanity enters into the relationship. So everybody is a SOB. Everybody is a MF. Everybody is sugar, honey, iced tea. You ain't this and you ain't that. Everybody is a cuss word now. And many who have the inter- use the Internet, they just cuss on the Internet because yes, they said the Internet yes. is open and there's no rules on the Internet. But we should still be responsible because when you cuss, you're letting out some rage. See, and we all have done it, but I'm not going to do it here now in order to make a point because if I use the MF word like Bernie Mac did in the Kings of Comedy, more people are going to laugh at it then they are going to become disgusted behind it. But when you're enraged and you use that language and you use the B word on, on, on both sides, the one that goes with the I and the one that goes with the A, then it becomes more of an emphasis and the person realizes, oh, if you could do something to me, you would harm me with the veracity of your profanity. So then one thing leads to another, you know, and this is what leads a brother to go upside another brother's head or a brother to cap off on another brother because, man, that dude means harm to me, so I'm going to get him before he gets me, see? And if it's in the house, you know, the wife could perceive it. She could recoil and become afraid, which empowers him now to become this warrior on her. See, men are natural warriors, but we can't war have warlike propensities in our household. We're to be kind and to be gentle. We're to be firm and be respectful, even if we disagree with something. The Ambulance Muhammad says if any man feels he has a right to hit a woman, he doesn't have a right to own her. And own her means possess her, have her. See? Be able to be, by the grace of God, be her husband. You don't have a right to have her in your life. So, And no woman should take her tongue and tear down her man. Neither should dominant women beat up on docile men who are not totally weak men. They're very strong. But then you beat up on them. You see what I'm saying? Push them around yes. mentally and physically because you know they're not going to do anything to you. You know you got a man that you know he's not going to harm you. But you know you wouldn't have done that to other men, lesser or greater, because you know that they would have went whoop right upside your head. And so, therefore, Minister Farrakhan says, Sister, be mindful of your mouth and your tongue so that your husband doesn't live in your mouth like a dentist. Then he goes back to the brother on a greater level. Don't be a man of purve- uh, purveyor of domestic violence. you living in her mouth because you just feel like you want to hit someone. Well, if you feel like you need to hit something, brother, go hit a punching bag that gives you resistance. Go get an MMA martial arts and hit them dudes that's in there in them cage and see if they don't hit you back. Then you'll get a little sense knocked into you. See? So we, 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 we have to understand that we cannot allow rage to take us over. We cannot allow we- anger to take us over, we have to curdle ourselves and we have to condition ourselves to use wisdom. 
We have Mac on the line. He's been waiting so patiently to speak. Mac, are you there? Okay, while we're waiting for Mac to come back on, let's um, get Sherelle. Is that your name? Yes, yes ma'am. I'm here. Oh, Mac, you're there. Okay. I'm, I'm hearing more than one voice. Let the sister go on. I'll, I'll wait. All right, Mr. Happy, you speak to Sherelle from Houston? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, you alive. for this opportunity to let me come in and uh, ask the question. I wanted to ask Brother Hafiz, uh, how do you know when you're in a courtship whether or not that person is presenting the real self? Because oftentimes, you, you know, I've seen marriages later mm-hmm. on, and the person says, I don't even know who that person is. But right. when you were going through the courtship, so that's my question. I want to know how do you Very good question. Determine. Thank you for that question. My dear sister, and greetings to you. Walaikum salam. I think you greeted me and to the family and the believers there in Houston. Um, yes, sir. When you go through the courtship process, the main part of the word is court, then the word ship. So you're on a journey together by which you have to take each other to court, meaning one day you're the prosecutor, sister, and you need to prosecute him with the kind of um, uh, stern questions that pierce his mind. And the brother, the next time, he's the prosecutor, and he must do the same thing with you. And then the other person becomes on the defense. But if you're defending truth, then all you do is represent what is supposed to be truthful. But if you then discover untruths, then you have to get up and say, you know what, maybe I need to R-U-N, run in the other direction, not walk, not take baby steps, run away from this dude, run away from this dudette, this sister or brother, and not continue down that road. But if you do not ask the penetrating questions of the day, you see what I'm saying? If you don't study biorhythms and question it, you're sitting at the dinner table. I mean, and you see, the brother has almost next to no skills. Brother, were you formally trained in any way? Or you're almost eating with your hand, brother. It's not. Brother, put swallow your food first before you begin to talk with me. It's all in your mouth, and it's beginning to come out on the table. You see what I'm saying? Find out. Yeah. Then go a little bit deeper. You find out. Yeah, well, you know, sister, I really, you know, I, I grew up in a foster care home, and I never had any. Oh, man, I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, sister, I even went to jail. See, you come to find out a whole lot of things come up off of that string of what's going on. But you have to notice one thing, then be questioned to another thing, questioned to another thing, and release what's down the line. And you'll find out more about that person. Of course, you will know them fully when you're actually living together, but there's a lot that you can learn about within that first 45 or 60 days of the courtship other than having googly eyes. Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam. Oh, so nice. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so kind. And the way you sit on posting the mosque and the way you just, I just saw you around the minutes then. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. But it ain't going to be no, oh, once you get to marry with that person and you see that sister start taking off her left leg and her left arm, putting it on the dresser, where would you like me to put this at? And you start seeing that brother wake up having nightmares in the middle of the night and you never even knew anything about him. So you need to spend that time. That 45, 60 days, really getting into one another and asking the penetrating questions beyond uh, the surface of love. See, it's lust 
like, love, and learn. Lust means you see physically with the eye. And then you learn to like one another by what you observe and how you communicate. Then you say, hmm, I love that person, meaning you want to be dutiful to them. Then you learn that person, and then you develop long-lasting holy matrimony, God willing. Um, Mac, are you on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. Mac, uh, you can go ahead and ask your questions. All right. Um, As-salamu alaykum, Brother Minister Hafiz. Wa alaykum salam. Yes, um, I, my question to you is, um, uh, what is a um, proper approach uh, if you um, see see a sister that um, in the mosque that you're interested in, what is a proper approach, you know, without, you know, we all come from different walks of life and it's a different setting and it's not, you know, um, how would you go about it without being brash or being um, um, out of order? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would be the proper approach? Thank to, you for uh, your question. The first approach is to go to Allah. Oh, Allah, wonderful creator, magnificent in your make, the sovereign God and creator. We all created from your single essence. I have seen someone that I'm interested in, O oh Allah, and I pray that this may be the one. If it is not, O oh Allah, then help me to see what I need to see and help me to see what I need to see in myself. But if this is the one, may you guide my heart to her and may you guide her heart to mine, that we may be one. I mean, and you say a kind of prayer like that. And then you go and you see your student captain and say, Brother Captain, I'm a hardworking brother. I have money in my, I have a bank account. I'm consistent, you know, I take care of myself, I'm well disciplined, I've been here working under you. You know, the scripture says it's not good that man should be alone. I'm ready, brother captain, to become a maintainer of a woman. And you put in those papers on her. You know, you got the song, he's got papers on you. Well, then go put them papers in, brother, and then wait for your answer. And maybe if it's not her, then your eyes just don't see one way, you see someone else. But if it is that person, praise be to Allah. Allah answers your prayers, whether it's with the one you want or the one he chooses. And if it's the one you want, then you want it to be the one that he still chooses for you because you made your prayers to him. And then you go on, brother, and enter into your courtship, brother, and move forward. But just make sure that you have yourself prepared with things that I've said earlier in this program, talking with Sister Rafika and to the listening audience. And then go on, brother, and have a fruitful courtship, and we pray a wonderful marriage and Islamic family life. Thank you, brother, you're welcome. And, you know, Minister. Mr. Hafiz, I just want to add uh, to that, brother, when you get to that point, make sure that you have the conversation with sister about your feelings and how you function with money because it's, it's so critical in, in relationships today to have an understanding. You know, we come from our own backgrounds, and sometimes the two twains don't meet. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, we are coming down to our home stretch. We have about ten more minutes, and I want to get into the expectations. And you did touch on that a few times when we were talking about the spiritual, the communication, and financial, and even the and the conflicts. What are the expectations, and how do you get to the point where you can uh, verbalize what you expect from your husband or from your wife, you know, so that they know this is what I expect. Well, first of all, thank you for that wonderful question. The man is the visionary. See, the woman is the visionary when she's to herself, but when the man comes into her life, he becomes that visionary and that leadership for her as well. And then they 
uh, fuse it together. But he has to take the lead. He has to take the point. And so if you're looking for a home, at the end of the day, it's not just where you want to be, sister. You know, a good woman turns and says, honey, this is not where you want to be. Then we just won't be here. Even if you like it, it's dead set on it. It's your husband. Because he has to be the man to help be able to lead the vision of what's going to happen from that. But the brother has to know where he wants to go. So when a woman asks you, well, where would you like to go tonight? Well, wherever it is you'd like to go. Well, what would you like to do? Whatever it is you want to do. <laughs> what do you want to do when we get there? Whatever you want to do. I mean, come on, brothers. we got to take yeah. the leadership on it. See, I'd like to go here, sister. And when we get I'd like to do this. Now, do you are you in agreement with that? I mean, does that work? With you? Oh, no. You know, a good woman said, oh, man. Brother, you're in the driver's seat. Go ahead on, brother. Go ahead on. I, I like this right here. I can get used to this. I've been doing this for myself. Go ahead on, brother, and lead it on. You know what I'm saying? You can give me the details why we why we going where we're going, but I like where you're going. So if a man does not have vision, Minister Farrakhan teaches, you really don't need a woman. Because what do you need her for? She's not going to help you with nothing. You have no vision. You're not going anywhere. You're marking time where you are. What do you need a woman as a help me for if you don't have anywhere you're trying to get where she can inspire you to get there? Because a woman is an inspiration to a man. She inspires him to go to unlimited levels. She takes him. She propels him. She catapults him to another level. That's part of her heavenly representation. A good woman and a good Muslim woman, good MGT, GCC love, and just a good woman in general who loves God with all her heart, mind, soul, and strength. Wherever you are, sisters, you inspire a man just with your motion, your acquiescence, your adornments, but you inspire. A good, right-thinking man with your knowledge and your wisdom. A man who's attracted to wisdom above the physical is a man who's inspired with wisdom that comes from a woman. A man who's attracted above the physical to knowledge is inspired by a woman that possesses knowledge. And he's surely inspired by a love that exudes from the female. But if you have no vision, you're not going anywhere, you don't know where you want to go, you don't know where you want to have your family, you don't know what you want to do five years from now, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, then that's a, a problem. And a woman can't be with a man that can't be able to provide guidance and direction. Otherwise, she could do that all by herself and have been doing a good job. But now that she has you, she wants to do a better job by men being the maintainers of women. And now women being the maintainers of men. I want to encourage everyone who wants to ask a question to call in now because we're down to the five-minute stretch of our conversation with Minister Hafiz on lessons in relationships. The call-in number is 213, area code 943-3618. That's area code 213-943-3618. And don't forget to press the number 1 on your keypad if you want to talk. So, you know, Minister Hafiz, I call expectations the aspect of a relationship that is unspoken because mm-hmm. often it has no voice, and that voice sometimes is muted due to fear. It's, some people are just afraid to come out and say what they expect. So they go into a, re- a relationship knowing what they want but won't say it. Then well, when it doesn't happen, the mm-hmm. conflict comes. Well, you know, that's a person who's practicing cowardice. And you can't do that and expect a good outcome. You know, the male has to have expectations from the female as well. 
and he must share them, you know, and help her in meeting them. But God has expectations of the man and the woman. Ye or you are all God's children of the Most High God. That means we have to grow up. We have to mature. When I was a child, I did childish things. But now that I'm a mature man and woman, I put away childish things. And I deal with things of a more mature nature and concept. Well, that means that we all can't remain where we are. We get in marriage and these relationships. You know what we say to one another? You can't change me. So don't even try. Well, then what do we get married for then if I can't change you? Surely God is changing each and every one of us. He changes us in a twinkling of an eye, and he changes us over a period of time. In the alternation of the night and the day, there are signs for those who believe. Change takes place. We're moving from summer to fall, and from fall to winter. Then we spring, and from, from the fall we spring up, and then we go into the summer again. Clearly, if there's a change of seasons, then the male and the female must change with one another. Otherwise, then dereliction of duty sets in. And Minister Farrakhan teaches us wherever there's dereliction of duty from the male to the female, then there's a certain cutting off of service from one to another. So we must allow that woman to help change us and shape us. We must allow that man to help change us and shape us and say, you know, man, I've become better because of you in my life. I've become better because of your example and your representation. And without you, now I would have been with someone, but it's with the person that you're with, and you give credit to Allah and thank them for how they have made you better. See? And so, you know, that's 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 tantamount to uh, success. We, we, we have to be able to be shaped and reshaped by our loved ones and those that are in our life. Well, Minister Hafiz, we have talked about the spiritual, the communications, and the financial, the conflict, and we've talked about the expectation elements of a relationship. And you've given us some lessons. And my pen has been moving. I know I haven't got every word you said. But <laughs> for me and for the rest of the listening audience worldwide, I'd like to let you know that this show it will be archived. In about a half an hour once we sign off, you can go back onto the Blog Talk Radio and uh, click on lessons in relationships, and preview what we heard. Indeed. And technology today allows you to download the Blog Talk Radio app on your smart device, and you can take us with you wherever you go and listen to us anytime, place. And I'm just going to attempt to wrap it up, but um, as we attempt to examine all the aspects of love, peace, and happiness, we know that sometimes there exists a good, a bad, and an ugly in the mix. And in relationships, um, we have to learn to be patient with each other, to listen to each other, to communicate with each other, and to deal with conflict, to be honest with, with our finances, and most importantly, have a spiritual balance. Ms. Afiz, would you like yes. to comment on any of that? I would like to say once again, thank you, Sister Rafika, and to your husband, Brother James, and to the Keys and to this Blog Talk radio program and all who are connected to it in the front and behind the scenes who make things happen, to the wonderful listening audience in the chat room, and to those in the Internet world, unlimited, wherever you are and wherever you can be found. Remember that the prerequisite to a proper relationship is one rooted in God, 
ask yourself the question, were you a thought in the mind of your mother and father when you were born? Some of us were by intention, by real planned parenthood, but others of us were oops, didn't even know that we were there, and when we were discovered, God blessed us to come into this world. The prerequisite for a relationship is the knowledge of yourself, and you must look in the mirror and tell the truth to yourself about yourself. For if you lie to yourself about yourself, how can you ever then tell the truth to others? And therefore, understand that as you desire a mate in this world's life, desire to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you can love your mate the way you should love them. It is God, it is family, and it is nation. May Allah continue to bless each and every one of you. It's an honor to be on as we greet you in peace. Assalamu alaikum, and welcome to the program of the Keys, and continue to tune in. Wow, now I've got about four pages of notes <laughs> from today's show. I'd like to thank uh, Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad for taking a moment out of his time and stopping by the Keys 107 Network and dropping those gems and giving us that advice and helping us shape our direction into having better relationships. So this concludes part four of our Getting Your Life Together series. And tune in. All of our shows are archived. You can go to blogtalkradio.com slash thekeys107. You can also find out more about our shows and our hosts on our website at www.thekeys107network.com. Reach out, get in touch with us, suggestions at thekeys107network.com. So listen, we're going to uh, go out today with Ernie J. Smith's I Believe and look forward to sitting with you in another session. Part 5 of Getting Your Life Together is on its way. I am Rafika, and as always, I had a good time sitting with you. Love is what we pray for. And God is watching over us to release salvation when we say these words.
Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.